the President of the United States, the Prime Minister of the State of Israel, and His Highness, the Minister of Foreign Affairs and International Cooperation of the United Arab Emirates, will sign a treaty of peace, diplomatic relations, and full normalization. This past Sunday, there were no fewer than 30 flights between the Emirates and Israel. At the end of the day, politicians sign treaties, but we've seen it in conflicts time over. It's people that make peace with each other. Um, they actually pulled me aside and they're like, you know, we want you to speak because, you know, you're one of the top female founders in the entire region. But, you know, are you aware that this is an Israeli delegation? Welcome to episode four of the Global Startup Movement's six-week activation of the MENA startup ecosystem. Today, we are viewing the economic normalization between Israel and the Arab world through the lens of tech, entrepreneurship, and startups. Visit ecosystemarabia.tv and drop in your email to make sure that you secure your spot at the virtual summit and to join in on the activation. And a special thanks to our presenting partner, the Export-Import Bank of the United States. As the global middle class grows and technology makes the world smaller, opportunities have never been greater for American businesses to reach customers beyond the U.S. border. Exim provides federal resources to access capital and mitigate foreign risk. And no business is too small. Let Exim help you export fearlessly to the MENA region and beyond. Visit exim.gov slash MENA to learn more. So on August 13th, it was announced by the U.S. government that Israel and United Arab Emirates would be normalizing relations. This is Mike Granoff, the founding partner of Manav Mobility, a venture fund focused on mobility based in Tel Aviv. Within 24 hours, my LinkedIn was flooded with requests from people in the United Arab Emirates who were anxious to connect. And in a week or two uh, after that, we started to see actually startups that came in through our portal interested in funding. In November of last year, Maniv led a $3.8 million seed investment into Abu Dhabi-based Phoenix, becoming the first Israeli VC to invest in a UAE-based tech company. Phoenix in particular was interesting to us because we already have one investment in micromobility in the United States, a company called Revel that uses electric mopeds uh, in many cities on a on a shared uh, platform. And we've watched the kick scooters. You can't help but watch them in Tel Aviv because there are so many of them. And, um, you know, we've honed in on a, on a thesis around micromobility. And it seemed from as we learned more about Phoenix and we learned more about the Gulf region, that this was a very good fit of scooters for that region and Maniv for, uh, for Phoenix as an investment. And I was lucky enough to travel to Dubai not long thereafter and meet the team. And some weeks after that, we were able to complete an agreement. Within just a few months after the Abraham Accords signing, many Israeli venture capitalists started visiting the UAE and vice versa, with our crowd, the world's largest global venture investing platform that's based in Tel Aviv, signing the largest memorandum of understanding with UAE businessman Abdullah S. Al-Nabuda to create an $100 million investment fund. And the relationship between the two countries' startup ecosystems has truly started off with a bang and is expected to continue this way, with Israeli intelligence minister Eli Cohen telling Israel's Rashet Bet radio station 
that within three to five years, trade between Israel and the UAE will reach about $4 billion. There has been a deluge of travel between the two countries, especially in the last few weeks since um, direct commercial flights have opened up. And I don't think there's ever been anything like what we're seeing, a, a route that literally did not exist. There was not even overflight rights over Saudi Arabia for flights to or from Israel uh, just uh, weeks ago. And now, this past Sunday, there were no fewer than 30 flights between the Emirates and Israel. And that seems to, to be the new, the new normal. And, you know, a lot of that is um, actually tourists, especially this week during Hanukkah, with the schools off and Dubai being actually one of the few countries, uh, the few uh, places where Israelis can go and, and return without having to quarantine. That makes it popular, but certainly the, the, the proximity and the, um, the, the newness of, of, of the experience is, is drawing a lot of Israelis there. But there are also, it just from my conversations over the last number of weeks, dozens of venture capitalists like myself who have visited the UAE and uh, have met technology companies. And there's no question that there is going to be a, a two-way street and there's going to be a continuation building on the, on, on, on the foundation that has very quickly gotten established in the last couple of months. And I think we'll see a lot more investing in both directions across all sectors. I, I know that um, you know, the UAE is very interested in Israeli agriculture technology, I think in fintech, cybersecurity, and, and I'm sure there, there are many, many other sectors. I saw an Israeli hospital is setting a branch up in Dubai. I'm sure that will lead to a lot of exchange of medical innovation. So um, I, I think uh, really it'll be across the sectors, and it's it, the, the relationship is just at, at an incredibly mature state, uh, considering it's it's been such a short time since the relations have been established. And what's even more powerful is what this peace deal means for the next generation of Arabs and Israelis. The Overton window is a concept put forward by Joseph P. Overton, who stated that an idea's political viability depends mainly on whether it falls within a range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at any given time. And as the next generation grows up in a normalized environment, more windows of opportunities for peace and collaborations will continue to open up more and more. I'll tell you, I think what's happened between Israel and UAE and also in Israel and Bahrain in the last months, I think what it's done really is to demonstrate just how backwards things were before. It is certainly the sense of the Emiratis that I've dealt with, like, what took us so long? There was so much to be gained from this relationship. How is it that I couldn't even dial an Emirati phone number this summer and ever before that? And I think that that spirit of all of this potential and all of this enthusiasm uh, can't help but leak into the rest of the region. And and so I think the, the floodgates have opened. And I don't know if it'll be a number of weeks or months or maybe some a few number of years until um, the rest of the region embraces the idea of having real relations uh, with Israel. But I, I think it's now inevitable. And um, I think the opportunities to to apply Israeli uh, technology in, in some of these places is fantastic. The opportunities for Israelis to learn from uh, some of the, their neighbors with whom they hadn't had contact on that is also tremendous. So I think the best way to sum it up is to say that we all 
are yearning to get out of 2020 and to get into a post-COVID world and to sort of write 2020 off as such a, a, a historically horrible year. But I think in kind of the paradox of history, it will also get looked back on as the year in which the Arab-Israeli conflict really came to a close and a new era of cooperation and uh, friendship and commerce took its place in, in the region. Delegation of uh, 200 entrepreneurs and businessmen to the United Arab Emirates uh, are there on Sunday from Israel to participate in JITEX, the Golf Information Technology Exhibition, an annual electronics and trade show and conference. It will host pavilions from Israel, Bahrain, Brazil, France, Hong Kong, Japan, Russia, Saudi Arabia and the U.S., as well as a conference including more than 350 speakers. So we, we visited Dubai as part of uh, official uh, JITEX delegation with 30 Israeli VC investors. This is Noah Gasfriend, the managing director of The Hybrid, an Israeli accelerator founded in 2016 that helps accelerate Arab-Israeli-led startups in Israel. And we all came together to explore, to meet, to see, and to talk with uh, people in the UAE just to get to know those people and the situation in general, because we believe and, and we know that the best way to start work together and to do business together is based on relationship and trust. And that's what we are we try to do within these 10 days in the UAE. So we've met with lots of people, lots of ecosystem figures inside and outside the, the JITEX conference. I also met the amazing joy I was asked to speak at Vitex and, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Palestinian and I am the daughter of a refugee and I'm, I'm known for being very outspoken. This is Joy Ajlauni, who you heard from in the previous episode. So when I was asked to speak, um, they actually pulled me aside and they're like, you know, we want you to speak because, you know, you're one of the top female founders in the entire region. But, you know, are you aware that this is an Israeli delegation? I said, I'm aware. Um, and, you know, I live in the United Arab Emirates. So this is the, what the United Arab Emirates wants. So, of course, I, you know, I live here and I must abide by the rules. So I went in a little bit, you know, a little bit like, uh, you know, didn't know what to expect, to be quite honest. I went in not knowing what to expect. And uh, when I was there, I was actually really surprised. I met really amazing people. And, and Noah was one of them, right? Um, she, she came to me and we, we got to speaking and we just connected. And what I really loved about our relationship is that we had so much more in common than we did uh, differences. And I think we learned a lot. Like we, get, we got great perspective about the situation. And I can tell you that more than ever, now I know that there are tons of opportunities for us. We just need to pick and do this was the first time an Israeli delegation has participated in the JITEX conference and was the largest official meeting of business, tech, and investment leaders from Israel and the UAE that has ever taken place. This is a unique period in time for the region, and the momentum created through the Abraham Accords is an opportunity for us to bring old stories to the surface in order to heal them, to see the humanity and the oneness within the eyes and the hearts of those on the quote-unquote other side. I went in with a certain perspective as a daughter of a refugee with all these stories and this heavy weight on my shoulders. But what I've came to realize is that there are so many people that I had met at the event who are actually believe what I believe in and, and have the same belief system. And 
that we had so much in common. And I just, you know, and Noah was one of those people and we just connected and, you know, we started speaking about how these collaborations creates this incredible dialogue between two people, right? And this, this peace treaty that they have, you know, it, it's written in paper, but it's up to people like us to make peace, right? People make peace. And, and that's really what Noah and I connected on. And now that the foundation has been laid by politicians, it's time for the region's entrepreneurial minds and hearts to lead the charge in order to integrate. So obviously, this is a, a great opportunity for our startups to lead and help us, the general population, to get integrated within the MENA region and the Arab world. Now, it's an opportunity for them because they know the language, they have the orientation, the culture, and everything they need in order to reach this market. Actually, even before the, the, the Abraham Accord, we have some alumni that reached this market, but it was kind of challenging for them. And now when everything is official, they can just go establish the business and start working. Well, that's one of the things that excited me about, you know, Noah, is that, you know, her, her organization invests in, in Israeli and, and Arab partners, whether Palestinian or Emirati. So that, that was something that was really exciting to me. And that, that is one of the things that connected us, right? This, this collaboration, working together. And, and, you know, for me, you know, being a partner as an ex, as an ex entrepreneur is, is, is a marriage. It really is. Your partner is your marriage as somebody who has, you know, founded two companies. So to me, when I hear this, you know, one founder Israeli, one founder Arab, whether Palestinian or otherwise, that's a marriage. That's deeper than a marriage. And, and that connection brings unity. It, it brings collaboration. It brings understanding. And it also brings greatness because in growing these big companies, you've got more stories to go out into the ecosystem of success and more stories that this works and look what else we can create. And that's the exciting part for me. That's the, that's the real exciting. What more can we create, create in tech and new companies that are innovative? How many unicorns can we create, you know, with this story of this collaboration of Israelis and Arabs working together? The peace agreement also opens up free zones in the UAE that allows 100% corporate ownership, total repatriation of capital, and an updated process of business setup, which can now be completed in just a matter of days. The momentum that's been created isn't just reserved to a deepened connection between the business communities in Israel, the UAE, Bahrain, Morocco, and Sudan. This peace treaty also opens up new possibilities and new potentials for dialogue between Israelis and Palestinians. My name is John Linden. I'm the executive director of OLMEP, the Alliance for Middle East Peace. Uh, so we're the largest and fastest growing network of peace-building NGOs working amongst Israelis and Palestinians, with organizations working inside Israel for a shared society amongst Jewish and Arab citizens, and also cross-border amongst Israelis and Palestinians, and increasingly actually uh, across the wider Middle East and North Africa for um, a just and equitable end to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict and, and a culture of peace across the region. John and the Alliance for Middle East Peace is a part of the peacemaking efforts from NGOs and development finance institutions that are an important supplement to economic development efforts and private sector capital in the region's conflict zones. And the Abraham Accords was such a surprising announcement, even for John and his team. You know, like a lot of these kind of seismic, sudden historical events, you begin to examine the second and third order consequences beyond the kind of the shock of the moment. Uh, and that's where a lot of the opportunities, I think, became sort of obvious or sort of came into focus, as well as some of the perceived threats. So I think one of the, the things that our Palestinian staff were worried about 
was that in some way these deals might um, sap some of the um, focus on resolving the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Whereas on the other hand, many of our Israeli staff members and members just saw that the promise that inherent in this kind of warm piece being very proudly talked about and for the, for the, the reality for so many Israelis of feeling quite isolated from the region to suddenly see it opening up. And some of the excitement, you know, economically, civically, politically, that uh, that that engendered. And I think over the succeeding few months, there's been time for for our Palestinian staff to acclimatize a little bit more to it as a reality, uh, and to understand that there is this opportunity baked in here. And I think for for some of the younger Palestinians, many of whom may still be upset about the the deal in a big picture sense, are beginning to now see there needs to be engagement with some of these dynamics, these historical forces that are taking place. And I think in general terms. Young Palestinians, like young members of uh, the Arab world more generally, they hold the UAE in quite high esteem. It's, it was a, an Arab youth poll that was done last year that found again, this is repeated every year, that the UAE is, is, is a country in the Middle East that, that young uh, Arab citizens look up to and seek to emulate most frequently. So I think now we're beginning to see that possible avenue open up. And I think particularly for those Palestinian colleagues and member organizations, the election of, of President Biden may change the way in which this is seen. So the perception on the ground was with these normalization deals being seen as in tandem with a larger Trump initiative on peace that most Palestinians perceive to be at their expense. With that now changing, with the Biden administration coming in and perhaps looking at the conflict uh, through a different prism, there is the opportunity to see these deals in a more entrepreneurial way. And I mean entrepreneurial both with regards to the pursuit of Israeli-Palestinian peace, but also entrepreneurial in a more literal sense, right? That there is a need for investment for some of the, the great ideas that are coming up in the private sector on both sides of the green line to find markets, capital, partners. And I think, you know, Palestinians and Israelis recognize that the conflict has resulted in a stagnation of a lot of those things, not just locally, but across the region. I mean, you, you know, I spend a lot of time right across the Middle East and you just, you meet so many young, incredibly talented people with amazing ideas that are held back by dysfunctional political realities, whether it's the conflict in Israel-Palestine or some of the issues around sort of um, corruption or bureaucracies that are difficult to navigate around. And I think if engaged with in the right way, and it is yet to be seen which direction it goes, this trend of normalization could allow those sort of opportunities to be opened up to to young people who are just ready to get going. You know, every day I meet them, social and economic entrepreneurs with ideas that deserve to find those markets, those resources of capital, those partnerships, and ultimately for them to be able to self-actualize as as leaders in their own society. And that's that's one thing that we see in both Israel and Palestine is an impatience for younger people to get to um, to really become the leaders they feel that they are, being held back by some of the structural challenges that we see around us. And there still is a fear that looking through an Israeli-Palestinian lens, this might be a repeat of the 1978 Camp David peace agreements between Israel and Egypt, which promised their solution to the Palestinian issue based on autonomy, but talks on self-rule were abandoned just a few years later. We talked at the start of the conversation about anti-normalization. To my knowledge, a norm like that hasn't existed in any other conflict historically, right? Where the parties aren't allowed to talk to each other until they resolve the conflict. It's counterintuitive, right? You have to talk to each other to resolve a conflict. So we've essentially tied both of our hands behind our backs for, for over 50 years. Um, and now this structural innovation of saying, okay, let's sit down and discuss our difficult problems. Let's talk, let's engage. Um, that, it sounds like such a rudimentary observation, but it's a genuine innovation. 
uh, right now in the region. And I think it can be built gradually via economics, via civics, via civil society, and it can then change the political incentive for, for politicians. I mean, politicians everywhere are cynical. They, they respond to the, the incentives that are coming from below, from their base. And we've been giving those politicians lousy incentives for generations. Here's a way now to say that there's a growing base, and we're already seeing it in Israel, where engagement with Arab countries is seen as a net positive to people who self-identify on the left, but now also on the right. And you're seeing politicians who are seen as more nationalist or right-leaning responding to that. And that's that's very new. That's a direct through line from that change in political behavior by, by politicians to the deals that were in class autumn. So if we can try and really lean into that and have populations on both sides and within the wider region be encouraging their leaders to take chances, to, to be innovative, to try and tackle these problems, like I said, with fresh eyes, that can allow, you know, at the, at the top level, a very different dynamic where a leader feels excited to come back to their population with a compromise rather than intimidated by it. But there are some people and organizations that don't want to wait for politicians to set aside their own egos to find common ground. Organizations that believe that they can help to unite Israelis and Arabs through startups. I'm Sally Awad Asfour from Nazareth. I am Arab-Israeli. Hi, my name is Gal. I'm a Jewish Israeli. Hi, my name is Karim. I am from Jerusalem. I am Arab. And we are the co-founders of Blockit. Blockit is an edtech startup that was created as a part of 5050 Startups, a tech accelerator focused on creating equal partnerships between Israelis, Palestinians, Arabs, and Jews to develop startups. I think for me, uh, the ideal way of trying to solve conflicts in the region we know is, uh, is with uh, technology and innovation and uh, starting fresh. And uh, basically, I believe we can do everything. I think that if we go down to the ground between us as a team, it really, really doesn't matter uh, everything else beside the vision we share together. Yeah, I, I think also, despite the corona issue and uh, the hard time, I can say that we have just advantage from this experience because we have the opportunity to meet people from different backgrounds. And that makes our idea more rich because we can take different uh, perspectives from each one. And it's like to say that really opportunity to make diversity and multicultural and asset. When we are together in like this project, we can see that there is possibility to peace. Because if we can work together and think together and make a project with our vision, the same vision, we can make peace. And this is like small peace. If all the people think like that, I think we can make peace so easy. To meet other closely and to remove st- stereotype about other cultures and to work together and to understand that all we are hu- human and we have a, a, the same vision that we want to work together and to improve something together. Uh, this is really a nice experience. It's like to... To experience uh, the peace in, in a small world, this opportunity can give you to experience without all the noisy news of politica. 
so you can really feel the peoples and the, the humanity in each one and it's make us more closely together and we can feel that all the news it's not really the realistic world Thanks for tuning in to episode four of the Global Startup Movement's six-week activation of the MENA startup ecosystem. This community activation is an interactive digital gathering of the Middle East and North African startup ecosystems and consists of a six-episode podcast miniseries, a six-week live stream startup pitch competition, which will both culminate in an interactive virtual summit on February 16th. Visit ecosystemarabia.tv to drop in your email and register today. And a special thanks to our presenting partner, the Export-Import Bank of the United States. As the global middle class grows and technology makes the world smaller, opportunities have never been greater for American businesses to reach customers beyond the U.S. border. Exim provides federal resources to access capital and mitigate foreign risk. And no business is too small. Let Exim help you export fearlessly to the MENA region and beyond. Visit exim.gov slash MENA to learn more.